0: Hey, this is Glenn, welcome to another episode of Difficult Questions. This one, is money evil? I get to talk with Vicki Helm, the author of Cashflow Mojo, and we get to decipher the morality of money. Her dad, by the way, was a drug dealer. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I was fortunate enough to be on Vicki Helm's podcast, Coffee Break. And she's with me today. I know we don't I don't usually have guests. It's just me talking into the void, waxing philosophic. But whenever I do get a guest, it's absolutely amazing. And I was so I was promoting my book for entrepreneurial skills for students. And beyond being this amazing entrepreneur lady, uh, she has a book that I read called Flow Mojo. And in that she opens up about how her dad made money. And I just thought, oh, this is a perfect conversation. This is such a difficult question because we tie morality to money all the time. And so, Vicky Helm, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks. I'm I'm really actually excited to unpack this with you because there is so much weird turmoil around money. And you know, when I went through that and I learned it and everything else. Um, I'm just really excited to geek out, nerd out and unpack this conversation with you. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, please. So, so t- I mean, the perfect, the perfect intro is your dad sold drugs.
1: Yeah. That's I a- want to go a little deeper into that as well. Do it. My, my, uh, there's, there's two things. Um, my, biological father. I call him biological father. My dad is the guy who raised me. That's the guy I'm talking about. And one of the interesting things I found out upon his death, he never said anything. But as we were going through his stuff, he actually worked for the CIA and did some time in the CIA. And then after a while, he decided that He was very interested in marijuana as a plant, but it it was like in the late 50s, early 60s, and I mean 1960s, 50s and 60s, when it was a federal offense to have a joint. And so um, he was a very brilliant man. He always loved chemistry. And pretty soon he was actually the first man ever to liquidize the THC out of the marijuana plant And he sold it on the market, and it was like $10,000 a dram. And a dram is like this itty-bitty little thing, but essentially you could take a drop of it and put it on a cigarette because it's legal to smoke a cigarette, but because it was concentrated THC, you'd take a puff of the cigarette, and several people had smoked the cigarette. That's how that would happen. And then uh, later it was him making cocaine, and, you know, we had a lab set up in Bolivia and there was part of during that time when he was doing all this that I didn't even live with him. We didn't live with him. Uh, but I remember growing up and living in Mexico and um, we were never, never allowed to go in the kitchen. Never, ever, ever, never. Because he, it was all set up in the kitchen, how he liquidized everything. So uh, there were several years I never saw a kitchen because uh, the food would come out of a kitchen, but you just were never allowed to go in the kitchen ever and so that's kind of that piece of growing up and and uh, watching my dad make his money illegally yeah
0: so then the the idea of supporting your family, the idea of substance controlled controlled substances that the government decides are illegal legal i love the problems we have now where the federal government still views marijuana as illegal but still wants taxes from it so the the states that view it now as legal have to do a cash only business but then that leads to people possibly getting robbed so then they were doing something like a cryptocurrency or they were doing, they were setting up the federal government was trying to figure out a money laundering. That's what it was. They ended up, they would send vans to get the cash, but then they were basically, the federal government was basically laundering money for something they deemed illegal. I mean, it's just this moral rabbit hole that we build for ourselves. Right. And I think entrepreneurs, have to free themselves from that. And they have yes. to say, I know in your book, you were talking about, you know, you, you your father decided a, a certain way to support his family to do things and had moral conundrums versus legal conundrums are two different things. And then you bring out in your book, this idea that you decide what you want, but a cash yeah. flow is a cash flow.
1: <laughs> right? That's right. You know, it's so interesting because uh, there was a point that I was so embarrassed by what they did. I mean, it all sounds really sexy at first when you're like, oh, your dad was this and he did that, and oh, and CIA, and it all sounds really cool. But when your dad's in jail and you're in high school and you're having dinner at somebody's house and they go, So what did your dad do for a living? And you're like, you know, that that's so I swang the other way, I got all my financial licenses, I had a six of 63, a 26 of seven, etc. And then I watched over here, I looked at all the contracts and I was like, oh my God, this is legal ways of ripping people off, legal ways of ripping people off. And over here, this is illegal ways of ripping people off. And I really got to the point where after 10 years of being in there, if you take a look at the 2008 subprime mortgage collapse, both ends of the spectrum, it is the person who bought the home and got a hinking loan, they got screwed. The investor over here on Wall Street who bought these mortgage-backed security investments, they got screwed. Everybody got screwed except for the person who was looking out for where the money ends. Where, where does the money end? If it ends in my pocket, then et cetera. So I look at the world very differently right now. I do not look at it and go, there's morality issues with money. That's bull crap. There's morality issues with people. And people think that the only way to get rich is either to work hard, get rich, have your business, or screw somebody over. And so there is always somebody that's watching out for that money, that money, that money. And the thing is, if you truly look at really successful people, it's the value they deliver. And like Steve Jobs, no, no, I want somebody alive. Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, he's the richest man on the planet. But here's the truth. Here's the truth about what he did. He started the bookstore. I don't think he ever thought it would be as big as it is right now, but it is. And he only owns, he's the largest shareholder, but he only owns 10% of Amazon. That's it. Only 10%. He started it and gave 90% out to investors, to people starting businesses, to companies. To He made the largest amount of wealth on the planet for the world in history there's yeah. never been another man who's created more options to grow wealth and he only owns 10% of the company
0: yeah that's so true if you
1: look at that that tiny bookstore that somebody started became this mammoth thing and what he was doing was serving the world he wasn't trying to dominate or control the world which is vastly different and that's the thing about money for me for me right serving is is the way to to end the morality thing or the evil versus the good with money
0: right well and and sticking with amazon because there are some things that will for example uh grocery stores when they went into amazon fresh what happened is they had the money to take the losses to then put out the local shops that couldn't do that 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 couldn't support the losses so they would undersell things that the local stores couldn't so I mean, there is some of that. I, I know. Remember, I remember in the '80s, it was like, "It's just business. It's just business," right? <laughs> Which it's true. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that it's not necessarily Jeff Bezos's morality or his or or the people that work for him morality because Amazon is huge, right? Yeah. It's it's the money machine. It's the cash flow that you were talking about. The thing that really intrigued me that I that got me down the rabbit hole of entrepreneurship is I almost became homeless trying to help the homeless because my idea was this working class integrity where I had the option. When you had, when you get a paycheck from somebody, you have the privilege to be moral and only moral because you know, the check is coming at the end of every month. So you get to choose what to give away and what, you know, what, and, and so for me, charity was always something you give away. Well, if you try to make your livelihood that, it's not sustainable. So then I thought, well, how can I as a person with a certain yeah. set of integrity values, mm-hmm. make decisions that make things to build me a cash flow? And it's that that service, but then it's your customers recognizing that that service gets rewarded with stored energy the thing we call money well
1: that and what people want because a lot of times you know um a lot of times people are creative and they create stuff people don't want or a small group of people wants
0: yeah yeah and
1: so what's happening is um uh there's a couple of myths i'll call them not lies but myths people are told about money one is follow what you're passionate about and then the money will come and do something you're passionate about. Well, um, that'll send you on the search for what am I passionate about? And to me, you are either a passionate person or not. You're full in or full on or you're not. You can tell right away whether you like something or not. But there are some, for instance, there are some people right now It's like, you'd be surprised how passionate you get when your side hustle starts bringing you $10,000 a month and it's a side hustle and now it's out creating your job. So what happens is you become passionate because you have awakened and you've risen above the masses consciousness about how to create wealth, about how to take care of yourself you get a different type of confidence that happens to you. You get a different type, kind of, of uh, uh, value and your eyes start looking for opportunities. You're not just simply you know, running off at the spout saying, I got to find my passion. I got to find my purpose. You have to be passionate and purposeful at whatever you do, whether it's whatever you do. But Whatever you do, there's only two ways to get assets, right? You either build them or you create them. So right now, your show, that is your cash flow asset that has, it's front end loaded. It's a lot of loading front end. And then it has back end wealth because it builds over time. And so, okay, so there's your cash flow asset. So you can have a short-term cash flow asset or a long-term cash flow asset like this, but you're either buying it or building it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the other the the thing that with cash flow because you talk about this in your book as well, people you entice people's attention by talking about wealth, which which is money, because money, especially in the U.S., has that's this, one
1: form of wealth.
0: Yeah, and it has this kind of fever to it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to a million dollars, right? It's just, or I'm going to get paid. It's kind of like this lottery mentality that we pass around to each other, right? Money is excitement. And I think that, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, the people that not only get rich, because you also, in your book, you talk about not just getting rich, but staying rich. <laughs> building That's the hard guys. part. The people that stay rich realize that that fever of money isn't the thing that's going to sustain them. It's their passion for either, for, for serving something that people want. I think, I, I mean, I haven't really unpacked that. What do you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, it's so interesting because when you said something about wealth and money, if you get to the point where you learn what the thing and money represents to you, that's when you're actually understand why money is important. So we all live by money. It's a tool of the trade, et cetera. And we all think about money vastly differently. But there's, this, there's a key element that we all, whether you're rich, you're poor, or wherever you are in your financial thing, we all share. And that is that money solves problems. And what happens, the reason why we are, oh my God, I'm gonna be a millionaire or, oh, I made up my first hundred, five hundred thousand. I remember when I reached all of those milestones, what happened for me was it wasn't, well, I don't worry about anything now. Uh, of course, I worried about, am I investing right? Am I doing this right? Well, what my dad taught me was that if the system is that you can make a cash flow or buy a cash flow instantly, then what happens is you have this flow and you can flow others, flow things, flow that. And suddenly, what happened was I realized the thing that I actually wanted was freedom and choices. And I didn't want a boss, like I, I remember being in high school and just having the nastiest bosses that worked at McDonald's when I worked at McDonald's or my first year in college and the people poking you around or putting you down or everything like that to the point where you felt violent, but you couldn't do anything because you didn't want to lose that job or lose that money or lose that. You lose your dignity. You lose your, that's the thing that people don't want to do anymore. And that becomes the moral dilemma. The moral dilemma is how do I solve that? If I become really rich, I can be a jerk to other people because now I'm rich, or I can become rich and help other people come up and treat people with dignity, et cetera. It all comes down to that that ego rub, that thing that money delivers. And of course, it can add to your quality of life, but it is not your quality of life. Your quality of life is who you become along the way. If you're a happy person working, or if you're a negative person working, that's all based on you. So that's why some people, they get so rich and they're so bummed out. They're so, oh my God, I have everything. And I am still so miserable. I'm still so unhappy. This yeah. didn't solve the problem they thought money solved. So what you want to look at for yourself is what actually is the problem you want to solve?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I love when I started doing, paying attention to entrepreneurship, I was I was told to put my head down and work hard, which created resent, right? Resent
1: because I was
0: yeah. I, I was uh, a a secret to people, and I I felt stuck. Mm-hmm. But when I realized that I had to build my own business, one it was oh my lord, no one's telling me what to do. I don't just clock in. Yeah, this is scary. <laughs> I'm I have to decide what's going on. But then. I realized that if I didn't like what I was doing and if I wasn't a happy, inviting, exciting person to the people around me, nothing I did was going to go anywhere, no matter how hard I worked. So for me, entrepreneurship is a great reminder about what life is about, (laughs) you know, and you don't let yourself get into that resentment trap of being an employee. And if you are an employee, how would you get yourself out of that resentment trap, right? You need to figure out how that, that works. And do you like working for the McDonald's person? Is your, is your manager a nice person? <laughs> Maybe you want to yeah. find another manager. You know, why are they not enjoying themselves?
1: I want to go, go. go back because you said something that's really important. And I don't want to pass it by because it was super good and it was super important. We're talking about the morality of money and entrepreneurship. Now, the morality of money is a separate issue than being an entrepreneur, but you are absolutely clearly right that most people start over here to create this over here, and usually that's the number one way that's created. I go learn how to own a business, etc, and then I'm in that thing. Uh, entrepreneurship without cash flow is completely and utterly dead and so there's a point where entrepreneurship, um, it's definitely a buzzword right now. It's yeah. definitely a buzzword. But I like the fact that you named it so specifically in here about how we start and if you don't want to have this over here, first you got to do this. And for me, I want to be really clear that entrepreneurship and cash flow cash flow is in cash flow mojo. And the morality of money are totally separate but they influence how you do this yeah they're separate topics but they influence that that morality will influence what kind of entrepreneur you are yeah and for me the term entrepreneur is just someone who's trying to make a difference in the world now it could be for themselves i'm trying to make a difference for me in the world i want all the money or for the others. It just depends on who you are. But the flow of money and morality comes down to the individual and who they are inside. That's the thing. And whether you choose to take a gun and go rob somebody for their money, or you open a business and choose to lie to people, give them bad contracts, take their home and their money, it's the same thing under a different guise that we talked about earlier, in 2008, it was the home buyer who bought those hinky mortgages that got screwed and the investor. The rich guy got screwed and this guy over here got screwed because the investment was bad and the contracts were bad. And the only one who benefited was the bank because they controlled where the money was electronically transferred or out was out. So
0: the last question I can think of, is I always wrangled with the idea of moral versus legal and how society gets hung up on that because we listen to other people's morality and legality. I always say legality is an afterthought of a of something wrong happened and we're trying to tighten up a moral view. That's how a law gets passed, right? So yeah. what are your thoughts about the morality and the legality and how people should navigate their world to help them, right? Because I noticed that legality sometimes and the fear of legality is kind of a limiting belief. The morality of well, I would never sell something because it's icky and I don't like selling and I don't want to get one over on somebody. That'll stop yeah. you. It's a fear. So, what do you think? How how do you think? Thank people you for should, that. Thank
1: you for that. How do you think that.
0: people should navigate that?
1: Yeah. You know, there was a very strong um, process that I just went through on this. I live in Colorado, so marijuana and all that's legal here. You can get it recreationally and smoke it like you can drink beer. Um, And my dad went to prison because he had a joint in his pocket for two years. And he came out with PTSD, and it was really hard for him. It was a terrible experience for something that is now legal, that was made illegal. It was illegal over here. And the way and reason they made it illegal was so that cotton could get a headway in the the corporations. We have cotton shirts versus hemp shirts. And so um, the legal versus legal, moral versus moral, that's a big deal. Like the entire world got lied to about what hemp and marijuana was about. And the only reason it's legal right now is because we are in such bad shape um, ecologically that hemp is the only thing that can clean the toxins mm. that we've put in the soil, clean it out of the soil. Mm. So now it's legal. But if we take a look at that, I remember being eight years old and I was and we were in the house and it was like a Saturday or a Sunday And it was the no allowed into the kitchen rule. So I remember being so curious about that, you know, not being allowed in the kitchen. And I finally asked my mother, I said, mom, what's dad doing in the kitchen that we can't go in there for? And she thought about it very slowly, very contemplatively. And she said to me, he's trying to create a cure for pain. Hmm. So, In that time, she really meant that's what marijuana is used for right now. Cure all kinds of diseases and mostly a lot of pain. So we're not taking these pharmaceutical drugs that are legal that will kill you if you take (laughs) them or make your liver explode or your spleen bleed or, you know, whatever it is that these pharmaceuticals do. We now have this thing over here that when I was little, it was, you know, to he's discovery he's trying to discover a way to you know, help lessen pain. And that made sense to me. So if you ask me about that moral dilemma and that legal dilemma, uh, those ethics in there, that's very hard for me because my perspective in the world is the governments lie and corporations (laughs) lie based upon the agenda and outcome of their bottom line. They appear in commercials like they're serving you, but they're really just trying to sell you something That has you know marginal results or hasn't been tested well or isn't natural, etc. And they'll put this guy away forever just so they can lie to these group of people over here. And the bottom line, to me, there's there's so much of that morality wrapped up in there. Yeah. What I know right now, Glenn, that's so important is right now in history, like never before in history, entrepreneurs solopreneurs, groups of people, masses of people are joining together to become conscious business owners, the people that are there to serve humanity. And there's still a dividing line between those people who are going to want to screw you out of your money and those people who are going to serve you into making yourself and your life better. And the individual, this is the buyer beware. It now has to be the buyer needs to be discerning if you don't have discernment, you'll get your butt kicked out there trying to make money or trying to step up. And that that's the name of the game now, but it's starting to be, it used to be like 70% of the bad guys were here and 30% of the good guys. Now it, it is 40%, 50%, 60%, 70%, 80%. And as blockchain and some of these other things come in, there is gonna be a lot, and I mean a lot of corruption that ceases. And that gives us, you know, better, a better future with money and the flow of money.
0: Yeah. I I think you have to have knowledge to have your own moral compass. Yeah. Listening, listening to someone else only goes so far, and you really have to. Ask what their motivations are, right? That's one of the things that I noticed when I was failing in life. I was blindly following someone else's advice. Yeah. And that always made me lose.
1: Yeah. And so. you know, it's so interesting. My dad, who taught me a lot about business. And so in this series of books, I couldn't cram everything into one book. So in the second book, we take a look at. Um, some of the things that we're going through right now, where the regulations do not benefit humanity, or the regulations don't benefit the little guy, we're going to stop seeing some of that around here. And a lot of what's happening in, you know, cryptocurrencies and NFTs and etc., is going to help a lot of people rise up out of poverty into wealth, because in some countries like 5 million people don't even qualify for a bank account.
0: Right. right but right. now
1: they can qualify by getting paid electronically. There's going been over right. the next five years, we are going to see vast shifts in, um, in the way people are, you know, the opportunities they have to become wealthy. Yeah. And will there be basic income? I think so. I think we're going to see, basic income, universal income coming. Um, I don't really have any interest in it. I really am, I really am focused on how to serve humanity better based on my values. And it's going to be moral money is going to turn into value, value value-based money. Hmm. And so there's going to be that shift, but for everybody who has that thing in their head that keeps them from getting the money that they actually want. You have to actually figure out what you actually want. Like a lot of people start a business to solve a problem with their finances when they don't actually even want a business. Mm. They only want to solve the problem over here. So mm. their mindset for here isn't even it they're going to fail right from the start. Yeah. Because what they want is just a solution for this. And once they got the solution for this, this, there's no need for it. It's gone. Right. So, you know, entrepreneurship is about passion and purposefulness for me. And that keeps me at it every day, delivering as much as I can, wherever I can, however I can.
0: So speak, closing this out and speaking of that, so you have coffee break. It's a very popular podcast. I got to be on it. It was amazing. <laughs> and you. you have amazing people on it. You have books. How many have you written 40 some odd you know, books? <laughs> I
1: Yeah. I, I I'm just getting ready to release my 42nd book. It's called the precisionist life. And you can, it's a, I also have the precisionist life newsletter, which is at the precisionist com, and, um, you can go there and, and look at it, but yes, I am. And then I have a 43rd book after that. That's I got the last chapter to complete and it is 2.0 it's Clashful mojo 2.0. Okay. Then 3.0 will come up after that.
0: Very nice. Well, Vicki, thank you so much. This was great.
1: Glenn, um, thanks for yeah. unwrapping this with me. I, yeah. I really appreciate it. Most people don't talk about this
0: No, and it's that's... brave
1: and courageous that you even brought it up.
0: Really. And, and fun. I mean, I, I talk about this stuff and I wrangle with it and you talk about this stuff and you wrangle with it to help other people unpack wrangle. their own problems. Right. Cause sometimes yeah. you just can't have these discussions with the people around you, but Agreed. I can have these discussions with the internet, with Vicki, who's willing to have the discussion and <laughs> hopefully someone will get something from it. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate being on.
0: All right hi right. hi I hope you enjoyed that. What are your thoughts? What is the morality of money? Is money evil? I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks.